So the topic we're going to talk about, continuing, I guess, from our Chelika Halacha, is how to say the Hal that we do say by the Haggadah. This year, due to my experience with the coronavirus, I have a very different perspective on certain points of the Haggadah and the Pesach Seder. I've, I've changed immeasurably. Can't possibly remain the same. And I'd like to discuss this new perspective I have, different aspects of the Haggadah. So let's talk about the Hal. We say Hal and the Haggadah, but as we've been speaking, we do a very strange thing. It's a very strange thing we do with this Hal. We split it up. We break it up into two parts. We say the first two prokim before the meal. We say Hal of the Hashem, and we say B'tseis Yisrael Mimitzrayim. Then we say a bracha of Asher Ge'alanu. We drink the second kais. We eat matzah and mar. We have our whole suda. We say berchazat. We have kaimen. We say berchazamazin. We drink the third cup. We say shvechamascha, and then we continue howl. We say leilanu. We go till the end of the normal howl. We add, like according to the Gemara, we add nishmas. We add Hashem kitayv. All the twenty-six that we say in Shabbos davening, and we finish with the regular bracha of yahalucha. Why do we divide Hal in half? Why do we do that? I mean, like we were just talking, this causes great consternation amongst the Rishayim. What are you doing making a hefsik in the middle of Hal? You're not allowed to make a hefsik in the middle of Hal, and it messes up the whole situation with the bracha. Why do we do it? Why are we breaking it up? Why not say it straight? Let's put it on the fourth guys. Not just say the second half. Say the whole Hal on the fourth. As where it belongs. Yeah, you look in your Haggadah when it has the Simanim, right? That has, you know, Kaddish or Chatz. And Rachsa, and then Ashtafri Kaiman, is Howl. So that's where Howl belongs. Say the whole Howl there. Why are we splitting it up? Funny thing is, I, I, I was researching this, and you think, oh my gosh, there must be a flood of reasons for it. There aren't, I, at least not that I could find. If you know other ones, please let me know. But from, from major Paiskim, Rish, Rishainim, uh, and Achrainim, from the major ones I could find, I found only three reasons. But each one of them is, is a gem. Each one of them gives us a whole new perspective on this hal and, and what we're doing when we're saying this hal. So let's take each approach and try to understand it. The first approach is the approach of the Lavush on the Mepharshim on Shulchan And the Lavush says, you have to understand that there's two halves to the Seder. There's the one half of the Seder before you eat the matzah and the mar, and then there's another half after you eat that matzah and the mar, and the hal gets split up accordingly. The first two prakim belong to the first half, and the second, the second other, the rest of the prakim belong to the second half. Let's uh, l- l- let me explain it, and let's try to understand this. The truth is that the two parts of the seder are really encapsulated in the introduction to the Seder. We make an introduction to the Seder. As soon as we say Kiddush, we say Halach Ma'anya. That's an introduction to the Seder. What do we say? We say Halach Ma'anya Diachala Vasanu Barad Mitzrayim. This is the bread of affliction that are the poor bread, which our fathers in Mitzrayim, this is the one that they ate. What do we say then? We start inviting people in. Call the Chvin Yesev call the Srich Yesev Yifsach. Whoever needs, come and eat. Whoever needs, Come and join our Pesach. And then we say a third thing. 
Hashat Hacha B'Shana Baba Aradi Yisrael, Hashat Avdi B'Shana Baba Bnei We say this year we're slaves, next year we're going to be free. This year we're here, next year we're in Eretz Yisrael. Those are the three things we say. That's the introduction to the Seder, and it's very quizzical. The three things don't seem to have anything to do with each other, and it's not clear why this is the introduction to the Seder. What exactly are we saying? There's also, why are we only referring to matzah as lachma anya, the poor bread of affliction? We know matzah at our Seder, it represents something very different. Matzah represents chayrus. But that's not the matzah we're talking about. No, we're focusing on the the matzah of affliction. We're inviting people. We're inviting people. Now's the time to invite people. Arab Yantiv, you invite people. A week before Yantiv, you invite people. By Yaseder, by table, that's where you invite people. And also, Yaseder in Aramaic. The only part of the Haggadah that's said in Aramaic. The rest is said in Lush and Kaidish. Why is this part said in Aramaic? Many of Farshim ask this. So according to some of Farshim, this is the Pshat. Let me tell you about my own personal situation. Besides the illness, the suffering, the difficulty breathing, the coughing, shortness of breath, there was something else. It's something I can't accurately describe. It's something that before I went through it, I would have never been able to relate to it, never been able to wrap my head around it. And that was two weeks of isolation. You can't imagine what that is. And especially when you're sick, you can't see anybody. You can't see a family member. You can't see a friend, no one. The nurses come in, they're wrapped up head to toe, just see their eyes. I have no idea what they look like. And they didn't feel like people. <laughs> I mean, they talked, they helped me, they were wonderful people. They were wonderful nurses. But to me, it felt like you're being, you know, you're, uh, oh, you're, this, you're this deadly thing. And they're in hazmat suits. And they didn't like, feel like people. They felt like almost like aliens to me. So for two weeks straight, total isolation, nobody, nothing. And then you have the illness, and I'm so sick, sick and feeling so weak, and so many things are hurting. And that feel, makes you feel even more alone. It makes you feel like no one knows what I'm going through. No one knows what I'm feeling. No one can possibly... There's no one for me. That's the feeling that starts to envelop you. No one should have to experience this kind of isolation and loneliness. And during this time, there was only one thought, one machshava that carried me through. Chazal say, when a person from Klal Yisrael is in pain, what does the Shekhinah say? We had this in, 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 in Daf HaShavu HaMaikatan. What does the Shekhinah say? When someone Someone is suffering. Shechina says, "Chalani mi'raishi, chalani mizrai." The Shechina says, "Oi, my head hurts. Oi, my arm hurts." The Shechina feels every single thing that you're feeling, every pain, every discomfort. You're never ever alone. The Shechina is there. The Shekhinah resides above the head of a sick person. The Shekhinah went through everything with me. It was so close. And when you're in that situation and you're so alone, 
you can feel it. You can be margish the shechina there, and that was the only thing that gave me any kind of strength, any kind of kayach. It kept my spirits up, and it allowed me to continue on. When you're very sick, you realize the depth of your humanity. When you have COVID-19, there's no bechir chafshis. You're in the ICU, you're tied down by all kinds of wires, you can't move. There's nothing you can do, and there's nothing anybody could do. They have no treatment. They could just watch you and give you oxygen and hope you get better. I had double pneumonia. They threw all kinds of antibiotics at it, and they, they knew it wasn't really doing anything. In case it's bacterial, it'll do something. did nothing. And at that point, you reduce to the basic knowledge that I'm a human being, and I'm totally, fully in the hands of Hashem. <laughs> uh, towards the end, when I was much better in the ICU, one of my nurses, Vincent, great nurse, he says, he knew I was an Orthodox rabbi. He said, you know, maybe, should I have been calling you Rabbi Michael all this time? I know it's a little late, but is that what I should have been calling you? I told him, Vincent, in the ICU, there's no honorifics. Just a human being, that's it. Michael is just fine. I'm happy to be a human being. And that's, that, that's just what you come to realize. And when a person realizes that, when you come to that, and that's where Chayla comes to, the Shechina comes sailing in. As Daka Ushval Ruach Eshkain, the weak one, the humble of spirit, I'll reside upon. The Shechina comes and resides upon the person who has, without a choice, the humility, has gotten that realization. He needs Hashem. He needs the Shechina. He needs it to survive. That's what gave me strength, and that's what kept me going. Knowing that I had the Shekhinah so close, I felt it with me. And my lowest point, even when it was getting worse and not better, and they said, you got to go to the ICU, this is what kept me going. Now, Kal Yisrael and Mitzrayim, for 200 years, they had no missus. They had no tyra. They had nothing to turn to, nothing to revive them, nothing to give them inspiration, to help them continue on. Think of us in Gaulus. Think of how much we have. We have a Torah, we have Talmud Bavli, we have Talmud Yerushalmi, we have Mishnayis, we have Tanakh, we have a history. We have Tzaddikim, who are Maeser Nefesh, who are Maeser Nefesh through Golos. We have so much to turn back to, to give us strength, to give us inspiration, to give us fire. We have souls, they give us solace, it gives us our identity. Chayim Sraim, they had nothing, they had none of that. How did they do it? How did they continue? How did they keep it up? They knew their Gullus was going to take 400 years. When Moshe Rabbeinu came and told them, Hashem wants to take you out, they said, what are you talking about? It's just 210 years. It can't be. It has to be 400 years. So he answered them. He convinced them. They knew it was going to be 400 years. So they knew the year, year 100. They knew we're dying slaves. We, they knew we're dying downtrodden. How did they go on? How did they continue? What did they hang on to? There was no What gave them strength? The answer is, this was the bread that our fathers ate in the Mitzrayim. It was the bread of the afflicted. Mepharshim explained, they knew they didn't have the mitzvah of matzah. They had no mitzvahs, but they had the shechina with them. They had the shechina with them in Golos, helping them cope. 
sharing their pain, living through what they were living through. They were poor. They were daka. They were shval ruach. And they had the shechina with them. Some of Farshim explained the words, ha lach ma'anya, those three words, ha lach ma'anya, is gematria 216. 216 is the gematria of the shame of Hashem, the Shem Ayin Beis, 72-letter name of Hashem. Halach Ma'anya is the 72 name of Hashem, which means Halach Ma'anya, you know what their bread was, you know what they, their sustenance was during affliction, it was the presence of the Shekhinah. That was it. But that is everything. That gave them so much strength. It was something that HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised them himself. In a Nevoah to Yaakov Avinu, I will go down with you to Mitzrayim. I, Hashem, will go down with you to Mitzrayim. Don't be scared. And I will elevate you out and I will ascend as well. Hashem promised them, I'm going with you. That's the Canaan, says a Maradigah thing. He says that if you count the children of Yaakov, there were only 69. Rashi asked this Kasha. But the Dasakanim is a different answer. He says, only 69. But then it says, 70 went down to Mitzrayim. What's going on? He says, number 70, that was the Shekhinah. 69 children of Yaakov and the Shekhinah. The Kliyakar explains in this Pasuk a beautiful thing. He says, you look at the Pasuk, it says like this. I'll go down to Mitzrayim, then you'll go. I'll take you out, then I'll go out. He says, the Shekhinah got there first, and the Shekhinah left last. He says, a marshal. He says, someone needs to go into the deep waters, very scared, doesn't want to go in. So his friend jumps in first. And he says, here, I'm here now. Now you can come. I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. That's what the Shekhinah did. The Shekhinah went first so that we could go. And the Shekhinah left last. Only once we were out, the Shekhinah left. Hashem didn't let us be alone in Mitzrayim for a second. And this is what we're saying. Every Pesach night, Halach Ma'anya, we're inviting the Shekhinah into our houses as well. We're in Golis. And we were promised by Hashem through Yirmiyahu Hanavi that he's going to be in Golis with us. Every Golis, the Shekhinah is with us. Mara says, Mara Megillah, in Bavel, Yavon, wherever we are, we always have this promise. Hashem's Shekhinah is with us in Golis. We're so afflicted by the nations around us, so we say, Halach Ma'anya, Kaddish Baruch Hu, we're in the same situation. This We're eating it now as well, and we need you here as well. We're inviting the Shekhinah into our homes. We have no Beis HaMikdash. We don't have Eretz Yisrael. We don't have a Yiddish Eretz Yisrael. Please come and comfort us, strengthen us, and be with us. And many Mepharshim say is that, that's why we're speaking in Aramaic. We normally daven in Lashon Kaidish because we need the Malachim's help. Malachim will only bring um, tefillahs, which are in Lashon Kaidish, we want the Malachim's help. We don't want to give up on that, so we daven in Lashon Kaidish. But they say now, Shekhin is right there. No need for Malachim. So we, in those days, that was English. So they spoke Aramaic. That's the language. That's just demonstrating that you speak the language that you speak. It was that we could technically say it in English as well. That's the concept. When we have the Shekhinah right here, we don't need any malachim, we don't need any help. We can talk straight. We can talk from the heart. And that's what we're doing. We're addressing the Shekhinah in our situation in Golis 
while we're Dhaka and Shvalat Ruach and asking Hashem, stay with us, always be with us, never leave us, join our Seder. The Zaira says, Hashem comes. The Zaira says, beautiful Zaira comes with the whole Palm Aliyah and they all come and they join every single Yiddish Seder. That's what we're asking for. Now, Chal Yisrael and Mitzrayim, they didn't rely on that alone. They had a, made a greater effort to ensure that the Shekhinah remains with them. And they knew a secret, how to make it happen. Chazal say, it's a Chazal, Tanah Debeil Yo. They say, Yisrael saw, Sherachma Shal HaKadosh Baruch Ruben, and they said, Ilu that he is so merciful, Ilu if we would be worthy, we could ensure that the Shekhinah never leaves us. So it says, when Yidin were in Mitzrayim, Niskab Tzukulam, they all got together. Biyashru Yachad, and they sat together, and they made a bris Yachad, they made a pact. Sheyasu Gmilas Chasadim Zem Zeh. That was the pact they made in Mitzrayim. They should do Gmilas Chasadim. They wanted to ensure they have the Shekhinah. They said, let's do Chesed with each other. The Sefer Sifse Kayan, he's Talmud Rizal. He says, you know what they did? This is what they did. They made a system of chesed. Everybody had to fill a certain quota of, of bricks. If you finished your quota, you saw your friend couldn't finish his quota, someone stepped in. That is, that is system. That's how they did chesed. They looked out for everybody. So someone was falling through, someone ran, jumped in, helped him out. That was the chesed. That was the kind of chesed they instituted in Mitzrayim. And they knew this is what's going to guarantee them the presence of the Shekhinah because nothing brings the Shekhinah like Achtas and Chesed. And the Mil Tzedek of the Baal Shevet HaMusr, you might be familiar with him, he has a sefer called Mil Tzedek also. And he explains that's what we're doing. We're emulating those Yidin and Mitzrayim. That's why we're saying, Kol Dechfin Yesev Yechal. Anybody who's hungry, come and eat. Anybody who needs Pesach, come. Now we know we invited the people already before or we can invite, unfortunately, this year. But Hassan, we're not practically inviting. We're talking to the Shekhinah. We're saying, Tata, Shekhinah, we want so much to be able to do this chesed. We're doing this chesed. We love to be able to help the people around us. It's a proclamation of what's in our hearts. Don't we wish, especially this year, don't we wish we could have guests? Don't we wish we could have our parents, our grandparents, our children, our grandchildren? Don't we wish we could have our friends with Seder together, the ones we do Seder with every year? Don't we wish we could invite all those people that we could have the Seder together? So is that so we're calling out to Hashem this year? All Hashem needs is our heart. Hashem, we so much want to be able to do this chesed. And this way we're emulating what the Eden and Mitzrayim did to ensure they should have the Shekhinah with them. And this year, I have such a better understanding in this concept. I was sick and alone. True, I felt the Shekhinah with me. But then everybody reached out. And the Tehillim started flying. And there was this WhatsApp group with 250 people, and that was a group with over 100 people. And then the people learning Mishnayis, finishing Shisha Sajjim Mishnah, learning Taira, through the hours of the night, through the weeks, all banding together to do a chesed for me, to help me, to give me and my family such a tremendous chizuk. And I can't begin to explain, like I said on Friday, what it did to me, what it did for me. It diminished my suffering. I knew you were out there. You had my back. Akonim Arabayim told me, Chal Yisrael had my back. 
it just gave such a feeling of the community, such a feeling of worth and of pride. It was Mamish Machayim Esim. And the chesed, the tefillah, the reaching out, everything that people did, it brought us together in a way that's otherwise impossible. It forged such a connection. And when you have that kind of connection, the Shekhinah was there because I was so sick. We have that connection. It's a conduit. And the Shekhinah spreads to everybody. That's what the Yidin and Mitzrayim understood. You connect to the Shval Ruach. You connect to the Dechfin, the Dechrich, the people who need help, the people who can't finish their bricks and are going to be whipped to death by the Mitzrayim. Connect to them. The Shekhinah is above them. Then the Shekhinah is by everybody. Pesach by night, in the darkness of our goals, we want that Shekhinah with us. So we reach out. And we've reached out. And such beautiful chesed is going on. Reaching out, helping people, shopping for people, making sure they have their needs taken care of, that they can have the most beautiful seder that's possible for them to have. Helping them make Pesach. What tremendous chesed is going out. And this is going to bring the Shekhinah in all of our homes and give us such strength and elevation on this night of Pesach. This is the first half of our Seder. That's what the Rav Vush says. That's what the whole first half of the Seder is about. It's the Seder that we conduct here in Galus. We remember how our fathers survived Galus and Mitzrayim, and we talk all about it. And we talk about Vanitzak and how they cried out to Hashem. And then the howl that we say, that we conclude with, the first two prokham are howl, are dedicated to Yitzhak Mitzrayim. Halu avde Hashem, v'loy avde parai, that's the whole first parak. And B'tzeis Yisrael Mitzrayim, obviously, is dedicated to Yitzhak Mitzrayim. That's the howl of the first half of the Seder. It's the howl of us in Golos, surviving in Golos, surviving with the Shechina, as the Yidin Mitzrayim, survive just by knowing Hashem's presence is with them. The second half of howl, is what we talk about in the second half of Halach Ba'anya. Hashata Avdi, Lashon Haba, Bnei Chayrin. This year we're slaves, next year we'll be free. Hashata Hacha, this year we're here, Shon Haba, Yerushalayim, next year we're in Eretz Yisrael, Barad Yisrael. The second half of Howl, Chazal say, is all about loss of love. Lailanu, they say, Lailanu refers to we're saying, save us from and the trials and tribulations and the pain that will precede Mashiach. That's what we're davening for. Where we say, I should travel in front of Hashem in the land of the living. Chazal say, says, it means the whole second half of Hal is all davening for our bitachin in the Geula HaAsida. That's the second half of the Seder. After you finish the first half, we learn how to live in Golas, how to survive in Golas. And we eat matzah, and we eat morrow, we do the mitzvahs, and then we continue on to the second half where we have our bitachin that Hashem will take us out. And that's the second half. And that's why it has a second half of Hal. It's appropriate, of Shimon Schwab used to say, the first, we break the matzah in half. The little half, we have the whole half, first half of the Seder, we say the whole Agada on it. Big half is Afi Kaiman. He says the little half is this world. And this world, it's what we have, it's small, it's Lachamai, Aini. And that's the whole first half of the Seder. 
But then, after we finish the first half of the Seder, just as we're about to begin the second half, just as we're about to say that, Hallelujah, talk about Aramuna and the Gula Asida, we tell you that's when we eat the Afikaim, and the Afikaim is big. And it represents the Asid Labe, it represents the world to come. That's what the Afikaim in half of the Matz is, and that's the preface to the second half of the Seder. That's the Hallel. We, we, we say it to commemorate that. I've never understood Halach Mani this way before. And it's very powerful for me, and especially this year. We start to say to introducing the two halves. First, our lives in Gullus. Bring the Shekhinah in, and that has such a powerful meaning for me this year. And it's what gives us the strength and the ability to persevere. We introduce the second half of the Seder, the Amunah, the Bittachin, that comes from the first half, that will be redeemed by next year. Hat. No, no, not guaranteed next year. And we remind ourselves of the key. That's the key. That's the gateway between Gullus, first half of the Seder, and Lasad Lavai, second half of the Seder. The Kotzke Rebbe would say, Hashem told Abraham Avinu, we're going to finish with you. Simply mean, we start the Brach of Shemana Esra, like Abraham, like Yitzchak, and then we finish Magan Abrams. We don't say Magan Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Magan Abraham, we just say Abraham. But he says, Katzka says it means the final gula is going to come with you, with your mida, with chesed. You want to know how the final gula is going to come. That's how it's going to come. This year, we're experiencing such an unprecedented situation. Hashem created this matziv, and we wish we had a navi to explain it. Hashem wants us alone. He wants us separate. No minion, no school, no shul. No grandparents having Seder with their grandchildren. Everyone is relating to Hashem alone. And what I feel, just through my personal experiences, Hashem wants us, and He's giving us the opportunity to truly experience Hashroi Sashchina in a way we've never experienced it before because that's what's with us in solitude. Hashem never, ever leaves us alone. And we have to become aware of it. We have to feel it. And as Klai Yisrael says in Shir Hashim, which we lay on Pesach, Mashcheni, Acharecha Narutza, we call out to Hashem, just shlep me, I'm going to run after you. Pull us, we'll come running. And Hashem is pulling us now. We have to come running after it. Come running after Shekhinah, feel it, bask in its presence. There's a story about the Lubavitcher Rebbe, which is, many of you probably know, it's been flying around the WhatsApp universe. But it's so powerful for me. I read it in the hospital and it brought me to tears. It's just so, so powerful and so much what this point is. Rabbi Y.Y. Jacobson says this over and he says he was giving a, he was giving a shir. I think it was this year, it was probably another year. And it was a workshop for single mothers. And at the end of the session, he took questions and he encouraged them to ask any questions that were on their mind. So one of the ladies put up her hand and said, this is what she said. She said, a few months ago was Pesach. And the thing is, she said, she's divorced, she has shared custody, but she was supposed to have her children for Pesach and she was very excited. She made her whole house Pesach day and she had told her, all her friends and family that she was going to have her children this Pesach one hour before Yantiv, one hour before Yantiv. She was notified, I don't know why, but for some reason her kids can't come. She said she almost fainted from the shock and the heartache, and she was so ashamed. She could have called her parents and gone to them. She could have gone to a neighbor. 
she just couldn't do it. She had told everybody she was going to have her children. She didn't have the energy to be with anyone. She felt alone, lifeless. So she made the Seder by herself on her own, and she said it was the worst and most bitter Seder she ever had. She didn't have to eat Mara. The whole Seder was Mara for her. Seder went 25 minutes. Rabbi Jacobson, did I do the right thing? Did I fulfill my Seder obligation? Was it even called a Seder? It didn't feel like a proper Seder. Rabbi Jacobson said that sometimes your most inspirational moments in a speech are not prepared. You, they're a gift from Hashem. Any, t- any person who speaks can attest to this. Sometimes it just comes to you in the middle and, and that's, every, that's the part that everybody comes over to you about that, oh my gosh. You can prepare for hours and then psh, that's all of a sudden you get the answer. So he had the answer. He said, in 1988, the Labama wife died. He had no children and he was left on his own. She passed away in February, two months before Pesach. Every year, the rabbi and Rebetzin, they had their Pesach Seder together. But this year, he was on his own. He was totally by himself. Who would the rabbi have a Seder with? There was a young boy, Ari Halbushtam, you might remember, who was Nebuch killed later on in 1994. But he came over to the rabbi, and he invited him over to his house. His mother had invited him. It was a, few, a block away from 770. The rabbi smiled, shook his hand. He says, no, I'm going to be having my Seder alone in my office in 770. So Rabbi Jacobson says, I was a Shiva Bacham at the time, and I was first had witness. The Rebbe's long-standing assistant, Rabbi Leibel Groner, offered to stay with the Rebbe. The Rebbe said, no, no, go home to your family. So the great Lubavitcher Rebbe, the man who inspired thousands of people around the world, he made and organized so many starim, meaning Pesach Seder for the Israeli army, army who were on duty, Pesach, via his Shluchim and Thousands, the storm that had hundreds of people, all his arrangement. He had his Pesach Seder alone. No one else was present. Like the Gemara says, you have no one else? Ask Manishtana to yourself. That's what he did. He said some of the Yeshiva Bakram didn't go home and they just waited outside in the street. And the Rebbe opened up the door for Shvaych after a couple of hours. He saw them, he waved at them, he smiled and went in. He used to say it by himself. So he said, Rabbi Jacobson, my dear lady, he said, if it was good enough to Lubavitcher Rebbe, Seder on his own, all by himself, trust me, you did a good Seder. Your Seder was perfect. He could have had a Seder with 100 people, with 1,000 people, with 10,000 people. He personally arranged all those starim for himself. He was responsible for thousands of people celebrating Pesach of night who wouldn't have done it otherwise. The Kathmandu, Alaska, New San Francisco, New Zealand, he went and did his Seder on his own. He didn't need anybody else to be close to Hashem. He didn't need validation. He sat alone with the Shekhinah and relived Exodus from Mitzrayim. And Rabbi Jacobson said he was 15 at the time, and he felt very sad that the Rabbi had no one to have his Seder with. Why didn't he invite anybody? But after hearing this woman's story, he understood the Rebbe wanted to empower everybody, and like this year, who are being, having their Seder alone. He wanted to give them the strength and inspiration. Have a Seder alone. You can have a Seder alone. You can have, the Shekhinah will be with you. That's all you need. And I, I think the Rebbe would have invited people. I don't think he would have felt less alone. He had his wife. He didn't have any children. And then he didn't have his wife. 
The only thing that made him feel less alone was the presence of the Shekhinah, and he didn't need anybody else with him. This concludes the first reason why we split Hal, the Levush's reason. The first half of the Seder is us and Golos, Tzias Mitzrayim, and the second half of the Seder is Lasud Lavai, us yearning for the redemption, and that's why we split the two parts of Hal to represent that. The second approach, why we split Hal, is the Maharal. He says we want Hal to incorporate the Suda. We want that all of it's a Suda, the whole Suda should have Hal before and Hal after. It should be ensconced in Hal. So I'm going to explain. I can't claim to know what the Maharal means, but I'm going to explain it how I understand it again through what we went through this year. Chazal saying brachas, How do you know you make a bracha rishayna? We know you make a bracha achrayna, it's a pasik in the Torah. you bench. How do you know you make a bracha rishayna? So Chazal say, it's a kalvachaymer, it stands to reason. If you make a bracha when you're full, certainly you make a bracha when you're hungry. That's what Gemara says. What does this mean? Let me explain how I experienced it this year. I was in the ICU. It was very difficult to breathe. And every time I switched position, I got this fit of trying to catch my breath. It took like five minutes, felt like 10 minutes, just to, just to be able to relax again and catch my breath. And all I could think at that point was, Hashem, please, just take this away. Just let me be able to breathe again. Just let me be able to just shift my position a little without getting into a fit of breathing. Then Baruch Hashem, that passed. And then I was in ICU and I knew I have a wonderful family, my wife, my children. I have such a wonderful community, so many friends, but I can't see them. I can't be close to them, nothing, total solitude. And at that point, I appreciated so much what I had, the opportunity I did have to be close to them, the opportunity I did have to be, to have my wife and children and my friends. And what I have now, I'm back home and it's like surreal to appreciate that again. Hug my children, spend time with everyone. There are so many different aspects of my life and I see which I don't want to go through. It's more than I feel comfortable listing, but they were stripped away one by one. And as each one came back, it was just such an overwhelming feel of gratitude to have it back. When you don't have something and then you get it back, you really appreciate what it was, what it is. We don't know what Hashem wants from us. Like I said, nobody knows what Hashem wants, but one thing we can all agree, don't we wish we could be able to say Amen again? Don't we wish we could say Yeheshmei Rava? To be able to say Kedusha, be able to listen to Chazara Sashatz. A Birchus Kainim, no one's getting Birchus Kainim this year. Could we just daven one tefillah, one Musaf, just one, one Musaf on Pesach? When Hashem takes something away, how we appreciate what we had when we had it, how we wish so much we could have it again. At the very least, Hashem wants that from us. When we get back to Shul, what will that first Amen feel like? I hope it'll knock the walls out. The windows will pop out. Will anybody run out early for that first chakras? I certainly don't think so. When we can get back together, we'll appreciate our friends and family. No one's going to forget this Pesach. No one. So many people having a Pesach alone. 
have children, children, grandchildren, anyone. Next year, Pesach, and Yitzhak, Hashem, Hashem should protect us. Not going to have that. We're going to have everything back. And oh, how will we appreciate that? Having us that back, our children, our friends, our family, our guests. When I was so alone, oh, how much did I want the human connection? I can't even explain it. Can't even begin to appreciate it. And how much I appreciate it now. I finally have it back. This Shabbos was me'en elam haba. You can't even wrap my head around it. Indescribable. There's a story I love that I've said before. Rabbi Yaakov Galinsky's father-in-law came to Israel much later than him. He was stuck in Russia, in Siberia, and then in Russia. So he was there alone with nobody. Finally, he came to Eretz Yisrael. That first Shabbos, he was in Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Galinsky brought him to Letterman's, to Shul, that Rechaim Kanievsky sleep the diamonds, and he should be well. And he brought him there to Diamond Shachars, but Rabbi Yaakov Galinsky himself had a speaking engagement somewhere else. So he went there to speak and to Diamond, and he told his father-in-law, you know, he lived a block away, he told him exactly how to get home. So Rabbi Galinsky finishes his speaking engagement, finishes Diamond, and comes home. Nobody. Father-in-law's not there. Wait, wait, half hour, an hour. Not this, not get afraid. Maybe he got lost. He doesn't know his way around. So I go to Letterman's, figures, you know, start there, ask if anybody knows. And sure enough, there it is. His father-in-law's there. And he goes to his father-in-law and he says, Tata, maybe you want to come home? And his father looks at him incredulously. He says, what? Come home? He says, you, I know, yeah, I understand now. It's a Yiddish expression. A mouse sits on top of a pile of gold coins and has no idea what he's sitting on. He says, you people, you don't know what you have here. Now, Letterman is a mini factory. So there's a minion downstairs, upstairs, in the sukkah, in the back. And every time there's like a multiple minion staggered throughout till the end of Zmantfila. And he was running from minion to minion, catching every single amain. He was for years in, in Russia. No amains, no Yeheshmir Haba, no Kedusha. He was just stepping it in. He was soaking it in. Every amen, every Yeheshmir Haba, every Kedusha. He says, do you know, you don't know what you have here. You expect me to come home? Are you crazy? There's all these amains. And I hope that that's how we're going to feel when we get our amains back. I hope that's how we're going to feel when we get our Kedusha back. And that's the two halves of howl. There's a howl before you eat. Keshahu Raif. When you're hungry, you don't have the food yet. You haven't done the mitzvahs yet. There's a certain kind of thank you you tell Hashem then, oh my gosh, what I had when I had the mitzvahs. What I had when I had my health, what I had when I can breathe, what I had when I can walk, when I have freedom. That's one kind of thanking Hashem, and it's a whole special kind of thanking Hashem. There's, there's got to be a howl before you do matzah, before you eat, before you fill yourself up. That's a whole special kind of thanking of Hashem. That's the first part of howl. And then there's a howl when you're surveyor. There's a howl when you're full. After you've appreciated all of Hashem's bounty, after you've appreciated the goodness of Hashem, you're full, you're full of mitzvahs. You got to eat matzah, you got to eat bar, you got to do kairach and afi kaiman. Now you say the second half of Hal and thank Hashem, oh, what you've given me, what I have, I appreciate it now. That's the two halves of Hal. Dr. Maral, we want to ensconce all the mitzvahs with these two Hal's, a bracha before, a thank you before. And a thank you after. Finish with the final reason 
the reason given by the Abudraham. And he says, every kais of the four kaisas need to be beautified by a mitzvah. So the first one is the mitzvah of Kiddush. The third one is Birchas HaMazen. And the last one is Hal. But what mitzvah is the second one beautified by? He says, Sipri Tzis Mitzrayim. Not enough, he says. Not enough. Just words. So they had to take part of Hal to beautify the second kais. So I think this means is, of course, Sipri Tzis Mitzrayim. That's the most beautiful words we probably say the whole year. What a tremendous mitzvah. Thank what we say to Hashem and see Hashem stands and listens with the whole Pamaya But it's not enough alone to see It has to end with the howl. It has to come to the thank you, Hashem. That's what finishes it. That's what makes it beautiful. That's how they had to have it. It couldn't have a second Christ without that. That's what gives it its purpose, its definition, the focus of the Pesach Seder. Thank Hashem from the depths of the heart what we have, and all the more this year. What a year. What a situation. That's how we beautify our Pesach Seder with that kind of thank you. So to summarize, we break up Hal into two parts for three reasons. The Lavush says, because the first half is about us in Golos and Mitzrayim, that's the first half of Hal. And the second half is about our belief in the final redemption. And that's what the two halves of Hal represent. And as I explained, that's how Halach Ma'anya introduces the Seder. Aral says, we have it so we can include our whole Suda in Hal. Thank you before and thank you after. And as we're explaining, there's a thank you when you're hungry, when you don't have it. So you appreciate how much it is when you do have it. And then the thank you when you've experienced it. Thank the truth. Thank you, Hashem. Kishuhu Seveya. And lastly, there's Abud Raham, and he says, that's the beauty that's necessary for the second kais. You need that how, you need that thank you. That's what makes the second kais into the beautiful second kais that it is. That's the punchline of Sipri Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, Howl, the ultimate thanking of Hashem. Let us all be zaychet to have a beautiful yantav, a beautiful seder. Thank Hashem from the depths of our hearts. May Hashem have rachmanas on us and all of Kali Yisrael. Let us make the most of the situation. Let us take the chesed that we've been working on, we've been growing in. Let's take it on for the rest of our lives. Let's never let a day pass that we don't think of someone. So in Kabul, once a week, once a month, reach out to people, call them, someone who would appreciate a call. Let's keep that chesed going and let's work on this feeling of appreciating and feeling the shechina with us will never be the same. And let us work on that feeling of thanks that feeling of appreciation of everything that Hashem now gives us, now shows us what we had. And when we get it back, let us knock it like never before. Like Yaakov Galinsky's father-in-law say that, Amen after Amen, and I never want to leave. And through that, let us be to the ultimate redemption. Amen. Have a beautiful, wonderful Chakash of Asameach.